This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to the CMO Spotlight on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again are Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. Hey, welcome back to the show. The Chief Marketing Officer, Ossifer. <laughs> Chief Marketing Officer Spotlight. Spotlight. I'm Catherine Hayes, I'm the author of Beyond Advertising, Creating Value Through All Customer Touchpoints, among many other things. And with me is the inevitable, inscrutable, no, wonderful <laughs> Jenny Rooney. I'm inevitable. Nobody's ever called me inevitable. Like, uh, it's Jenny. It's a, it's yeah. a good thing to be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jenny yes. Hello, the, everybody. Uh, I'm Jenny Rooney. I'm the editor of the CMO Network at Forbes. So hi, Catherine. Great to be here with you again, as always. As always. With us up next is uh, Jenna Habib. She is the chief brand officer for Ipsy. And we're just really thrilled to have her. If you don't know about Ipsy, it's uh, you should. Um, it is fast growing. Yeah, it's a fast growing beauty brand, but it's also importantly the third largest platform after Amazon. But I'll let Jenna tell us more about that. Jenna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Jenna. Hi. It would be great if you could give us a little bit of background on Ipsy and uh, sort of explain the company to us so we really have a good a good handle on it for our listeners. Of course, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah. I'm very excited to talk a little bit about Ipsy. I've been with the company now six months. Um, feels like I've been here for almost two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ipsy is actually the largest beauty subscription in the world. Um, and what you're references, referencing is um, just in terms of actual product subscription, um, we are right there behind Amazon. Um, we're in over 3 million homes every single month, which is super exciting that we're hitting almost 1% of the American population with wow. our monthly delivery of beauty products. Yes, um, very large scale. Um, but what Ipsy really delivers is uh, this emotional connection to beauty. Um, it's a lovely surprise and delight of a glam bag that gets delivered to your house every month. Um, And we actually have three different um, options that people can pick from. So our most popular is our um, classic glam bag, which is five deluxe beauty samples for $12 a month. Um, But this year, we actually launched two new product offerings, um, which is our glam bag plus for $25 a month, you get five full-size products, um, and it's been gangbusters. People are loving getting these big, juicy, full-size products. Yeah. Um, so much so that we decided to launch Glam Bag Ultimate, which is for the absolutely beauty-obsessed. Um, so <laughs> it is actually 12 products for $50 a month, um, which we just launched and dropped this October. So super excited to um, really develop and grow our um, service offerings and be able to bring more beauty to the homes of um, millions of Americans. And I I guess I should know this, but I don't. What does Ipsy stand for? Where does the name come from? Yeah, actually, um, Ipsy comes from the Latin word Ipse, which means self. Um, And what's amazing about that is that it completely embodies what our mission is from day one. Um, Ipsy's mission is all about embracing and celebrating self-expression and unique beauty. And I think what really drew me to Ipsy was the fact that this company has always been about democratizing beauty, and it's kind of taking less of that authoritative, you must look like this, must act like this, and taking a much more inclusive approach Mm -hmm. to beauty. 
Um, so what we really deliver are these personalized beauty products to millions of Americans so that they can really express themselves um, and celebrate their own unique beauty. So it's really exciting that the name actually embodies our mission. I mean, it's such an like an, everybody, everybody talks about their relationship with the customer, right? You know, um, you guys, I don't know. There's something about uh, beauty products that, that there's just an intimacy built in right there. Right. So, I mean, who's who's who who are your most engaged customers? How are you paying attention to them? How are you engaging with them? How are you communicating? Um, just talk a little bit about that sort of relationship. Yeah, we actually pride ourselves on having a very avid um, fan base and, and very, very active large community. Um, I think what's really interesting about Ipsy is that we are obviously a digital first platform. So um, when people come and join Ipsy, they go through an online beauty quiz so they can really pick their preferences. What kind of categories do you like? What kind of skin issues are you having? Um, what things are you looking to discover? What things do you just want to make sure that you're getting on a frequent basis? Um, and so having all those data points around our customers helps us really personalize any communication and obviously the product offerings we receive, um, which really differentiates us in the marketplace in terms of subscriptions since most people um, really curate their boxes versus taking data points and indicators from your community to deliver exactly what they're looking for. Um, but because we are a digital platform and we don't have brick and mortar, we always try and look for opportunities to engage with our community beyond just a digital presence. Hmm. Um, one of the things that we're really known for is our experiential activations. Um, in the beginning, we were probably one of the first brands that did these large beauty conferences. Um, we used to call it Gen Beauty. Uh, and then what we found is that there are just so much more desire around these micro moments. Mm -hmm. um, and what we tested out this year, and we're going to be scaling into 2020, is um, what we call Destination Ipsy. So it's a mobile experience. We're going to local cities. We're engaging with, you know, a few thousand of our community and our customers and it's a great way for people to experience Ipsy in real life. So they get to build their own glam bag. So kind of what you do digitally, you're doing in real life and, you know, walking away with amazing products. They get to interact with all of our brand partners. So really that education, the tips, the tricks, the hacks, getting to know our brand partners intimately. Um, and then ultimately, our community loves it because they get to network and meet each other. And I can't tell you how many people come. Oh, and yeah. Well, swap products and swap bags and get to know each other. Um, so I, I don't know. I've never been a part of a company that has had such an engaging community that really, really desires to interact with us um, in person, but also interact with each other. Um, mm -hmm. I love seeing our community just kind of take off and, you know, engage with each other. Sometimes we don't even need to step in and moderate conversations because, you know, they're kind of there to help each other out, which is, is so, so great to see. Just a, a comment. Um, it's just so fascinating because you're talking about your your an online first or digital first brand that's trying to create live, you know, experiences that um, further the digital experience or that you know um, uh, are as good as the digital experience. And I literally just came from another brand that has it's all about in store. Like it's 100 yep. percent. It's all about their brand is all yep. about the experience you have in store, and they're trying to create digital. Complete yep. opposite. They're trying to create, yeah. oh, replicate yeah, that in-store in a digital world. I mean, it's just so fascinating when you just stop and think about it. It's staying the obvious, but just... And like, that it's not either or anymore. It's You're it's either on both. one side trying to do the other or, or, or the opposite side trying to 
to do the other. So anyway, I just think it's just fascinating. Um, yeah, there's, um, there's this interesting expectation now that you kind of are there for your community everywhere. I, I came from retail, so, you know, we had tons of brick-and-mortar stores, and we were trying to crack the digital nut. And so it's really interesting being on the other side of the fence. Exactly. Um, exactly. Well, let's it, talk it, about that, your previous experience, because was this when you were at the cannabis company? So no, um, prior to um, cannabis, which I'm happy to dive into, because <laughs> <laughs> that's also um, a hot topic these uh, days. <laughs> prior to that, I was um, the global CMO for Seven for All Mankind Denim, and oh, fantastic, a yeah, super super soft contemporary women's brand. Um, but yes, you know, brick and mortar and wholesale were the largest percentage of our business, um, and digital, yes, was very very important, um, but was a much smaller percentage of the total business. So it's interesting coming from pretty much the complete opposite um, over to a company that is very digital first. Mm -hmm. And you're probably bringing, that's probably one of the reasons why you're an asset, right? Having had that experience, that retail experience to help them sort of now build out. For sure. And I think it's also, it's good to be able to see both sides of the coin in terms of the challenges. Uh, Brick and mortar is really challenging, um, but digital is also really challenging, especially if you only have so many resources and so much budget. Um, you have to kind of conquer it uh, and, and tackle different challenges across the board. So it is, it's, it's definitely something that I was excited about. And, you know, a big reason why I came to Ipsy was the fact that it is so tech first and so data driven. Um, it's really rare to see companies out there that are lifestyle, um, that are, are really impacting their business from a data perspective as well. It's also not new, right? It was established in 2011, I think I remember. Yeah. And amazingly, um, it was profitable within six months, which is also pretty crazy and not what we're hearing from a lot of startups today. So so to be able to come into that um, platform and really, uh, you know, one of the first movers in creating these sorts of communities, how have you been thinking about, especially from a personalization perspective, um, we all hear a lot about the importance of AI and machine learning in doing that. And I, I understand that that's a big part of how you're thinking about it as you curate for them, as you personalize it, customize it, but also and also let your customers, your members personalize as well. So talk about how you're using technology in all those different ways. Definitely. Um, you know, what's interesting is this word personalization has been a buzzword for probably the last three to five years. Right, right. Um, coming from the side of the fence of non-digital first companies, you know, people think of personalization like, oh, I'm going to put your name in an email. <laughs> I might send you some, you like white shirts. I'm going to recommend some other white shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's really interesting about Ipsy is that they came from it as the actual core product and service right. offering was completely rooted in personalization. So machine learning is at the core of everything that we do. We have built such a robust system um, to really take consumer cues. So yes, we have a beauty quiz um, and we take all those data points to really help us understand you know, what types of products that they want, um, but we've gone way beyond that. Um, we also take our reviews and ratings. We have more reviews than Yelp, which is crazy. Wow largest arsenal of reviews on beauty products um, in the world. It's it's crazy. Um, But they're very good indicators for us around, you know, what is our customer looking for? What do we make sure we don't send them? What do we make sure we sort of curate a little bit differently for them? Um, But we took it a step further this year because, you know, there's so much that data can tell us. um, And there's still an element of surprise and delight that our consumers, Mm -hmm. they don't want something fully 
customized. Right. Um, and we launched some new features this year. So one of the big features that we launched and tested out for, you know, three to five months was choice. Um, so with that, we allow our customers to actually choose one of their five products, and then we build the algorithm around that to curate the rest of their box. Um, that is actually a lot more intensive than people think on the back end, because now if someone's choosing a mascara, mm. um, we want to make sure that we're not putting another mascara in their bag, but it's also mm -hmm. an indicator of future potential purchases. So it's really mm -hmm. taking that brand cue um, and putting it in the arsenal of the algorithm of, of all the data that we're looking at. And then we also launched a feature called add-ons because we were seeing how many of our customers had FOMO for not getting products that other people had. I and love it with all the reviews and, yeah, and postings yeah. and everything else. Yep. yep. And, and so we were like, well, we don't want them to miss out on the opportunity, but we also are taking all their data cues to customize their bag. And so add-ons, we launched um, $3 samples and $12 full-size products. And I am telling you, these products nice. are super juicy. They sell yeah. out and yeah. you get the luxury of having them conveniently delivered with that monthly package. So it really is this ultimate beauty experience for these customers. And we're continuing to really try and figure out how we can crack that nut. Um, the other thing I'll speak to is, you know, that's customization and personalization when it comes to actually the core product. Um, the other big thing that we're super focused on is communication. You know, that's the mm -hmm. other layer of personalization. Yep. How do you want to be spoken to? Where do you want to be spoken to? When do you want to be spoken to? And how do I personalize the content I'm sending you? Um, so that's a really big initiative for us um, mm. this year and next year is just how do we continue down the path of um, communicating in a personalized way? Can and I still having and just, just to and still having your own personality, right? So 100%. I would think, I've, right? I've thought a lot about that um, with your brand in particular, how you want to reflect what people want to hear. Mm -hmm. You want it up, but but you still have to stay true to who Ipsy is and what Ipsy is and and the personality that you have. So I'm sure that must be a lot of fun to find that intersection. <laughs> you know what you you nailed it on the head. Um, what, what I would say the biggest challenge for a brand like Ipsy is, you know, think about what we offer, right? Most of what people are getting are other brands, right? It's not an Ipsy right. brand. You're getting right. benefit. You're getting Too Faced. You're getting all these other great brands. Um, and also a lot of the content we create is working with influencers mm -hmm. and creators and they have their own personalities. So the reason they brought me in was for us to really lean into creating an identity for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you know that this is coming from Ipsy, not coming from an influencer or coming from a brand partner? A brand, right. Yep. And that's where I spent my first four months was really evolving the brand identity and launching our first ever big brand awareness campaign to really lean into our mission and create sort of that emotional connection beyond just, hey, we deliver these amazing beauty products right. every single month to your door. Like, get to know us. <laughs> right. Right. We're, we're brought to you by. Yeah. Made possible by. Yeah. Yes. Um, I just was curious, you know. Back to the technology question and personalization, customization, um, I'm hearing a lot more lately about TechLash and how consumers are starting to get little, you know, I mean, privacy has always been sort of an issue, but it feels like it's it's bubbling up now more than ever. Um, and marketers are trying to think about how they need to own, you know, to make sure that that, that privacy um, agenda item is really priority and, and sort of if... Assuming some consumers are feeling like, mm, no, I don't want all that technology to be able to target me so specifically. And how do you think about that as a CMO? And how do you sort of 
create that balance so that you are making sure that you're offering up something that is going to be of value to your consumers without crossing a line that they feel yeah. like is invasive from a privacy standpoint? Totally. You know, I think um, we probably have a bit more of the luxury of being a brand that our consumers are a little bit more willing to share because they actually want us to get it right. Um, I think it's a little more challenging if you're, you know, I'm just buying this one product and now this company continues to market to me and I really am not looking for it. Um, That was probably the biggest learning for me coming onto the subscription side of the fence is I have this active, avid member that knows we're going to be delivering something to them monthly and they want us to get it right. Um, mm-hmm. So we've been finding that that sharing is actually probably more so than with other direct-to-consumer companies. Got it. Yeah. Um, we also really lean into doing a lot of surveys with our audience. Um, we've had a perfect example is like we launched a new product line and we really wanted to get our consumers input so that we can get it right. Like, is it what you were expecting? How do we improve on it? What else can we be doing to make it better? Um, and I actually think that they're expecting that from us. So, right. um, yeah. it's, I think we kind of an opt in already from the outset. There's yeah. a license to do that. Yeah. You know, just the fact that you call them members or that they are members mm-hmm. really changes, you know, words matter. We say that all the time. You're part of it. You, you're, you're vested in it, invested in it. And you want this membership organization of which you're emotionally a part to be as great as it can be. So um, establishing that discussion, that dialogue really is part of your DNA. So it's authentic to what you're Probably doing. Is, the problem is when other brands that don't have that right. license try to create that sort of membership community for some things that people just aren't interested in being right a community member of so you yeah it's a different it's a different model for sure and i think it's it's a lot there's a lot more headwinds for brands that don't have um this frequency of connection you know we do have the luxury of having you know m- monthly members um but what we also see is that they're so active in the community. For instance, we launched um, a Facebook 101 group. So anyone new to Ipsy, you know, join this community. Mm. You have a bunch of friends around you that can help you navigate what Ipsy's all about. So it's not just coming from us. And just seeing how fast that, that grew wow. and, you know, the conversation, it's – that's why I say, like, we we – barely have to moderate at times. And we even ask our community, do you want us to jump in and help answer questions? Or do you want nice. to, you guys, it's, it's really a problem to have to see it. I know. So I, I do want to get back to your, the fact that you, you did, you were at a cannabis company pre- previous to this. And it's funny because we're seeing a lot of CMOs go the other way, right? Move yeah. into cannabis companies right now from whether it be spirits companies or, um, um, you know, other consumer packaged goods companies um, going to be CMOs of these fastly growing cannabis companies. So talk a little bit about your experience there uh, and why you're an example of somebody who went the opposite direction. <laughs> so, um, you know, look, I was in retail uh, for, I don't know, maybe six years between my agency experience and then working with Splendid and Seven for All Mankind. Um, there's, you know, a whole host of challenges in retail, which I know you guys know yep. what's going on on the retail side. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was ready for a new challenge and, you know, it was, it's definitely risky being a first mover going into an industry that, um, is a little stigmatized and is very taboo. Um, but it was such an adventure, um, just pushing me and challenging me because think about this. This is a startup industry and a startup company and the right. most highly regulated, yep. you know, most 
viewed, looked at industry in the world where you're like, this isn't 100% legal, so am I allowed to do this? Um, and I think for me, what I really enjoyed about it is that it just put a different perspective on, one, thinking about product development and how you market mm. and message something that people are afraid of. Um, and really concerned about, about trying. And so I really liked that challenge and thinking about, you know, how do I talk about and introduce cannabis into people's lives so that we can break that stigma, but also get them comfortable with the simplicity of like how to actually choose what's right for them and, and know that they're not going to have a scary experience. Um, so I really, really enjoyed that side of the fence. Um, you know, for me, I think, after spending about seven months on the cannabis side, yeah, I didn't expect the Ipsy call to happen, but it was something I could not mm. have such an amazing opportunity. Yeah. I think that there's just a lot more to happen. And, you know, when you think about federal legalization, I think it's going to be a lot longer than we had hoped for. Um, and so when you look at how challenging it, challenging it is to get financing, to get capital investment, um, it just Payments, makes something that... Yeah. Yeah, something that's to do marketing. really, really hard, mm -hmm. even harder. Mm -hmm. um, so I still have a lot of love and respect for um, the industry, and, and I think that there's going to be people that do some really amazing things. I think it's just going to take a little longer than most people expected. And it's interesting because it's very much, just as you were describing it, similar to what you're doing here. I mean, people aren't afraid of beauty products, but, you know, how you look is, you know, people have a lot of, can have a lot of anxiety. What if I put too much on? What if it's not enough? What if yeah. I look like an idiot? You know, I mean, just all those There's a real need to help. Yeah, so I, it sounds educate them mm -hmm. and yep, and and, them and understand and do it in a in a to your point in a helpful kind of meaningful mm -hmm. way. One, one of the the, the education ahead. factor I think yeah. for me was yeah. a big thing that I could bring over. Um, you know, two things I would say I brought over from cannabis into beauty was yes, there has to be a lot of education, and and I definitely find that our audience on the Ipsy side too is. They don't want to be nervous. Like they want to look good. They want to feel confident. They don't, yeah. you know, want to not know how to use things. And there's some complicated stuff out there. Um, <laughs> but the other thing was just the experiential side of it too. You know, with with cannabis, there's very few avenues that you can communicate with customers. So we really leaned into events and experiences mm. and pop ups in dispensaries to educate people. And it's kind of the same thing with Ipsy. Like if you're not a part of our community, we want people to know. Like, okay, like yes, you. To take a beauty quiz, but it's really simple and it's actually going to help us do a better help job you. of delivering what you're looking for. Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, obviously, um, influencers a big are a big part of your community and your business model, it seems. And there's, you know, every day I read another article that says influencers are fabulous. Influencers don't work. Don't do influencers. <laughs> you have to do influencers. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not celebrity influencers. Now right, it's, it's we're back to yeah. like. So we'd like. love your perspective on this, and I'm sure yeah. the listeners would too, given how important it is in your community. Be an influencer on influencers for us. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll, I will be the influencer on influencers. Um, it's <laughs> funny because we've recently gotten writ up, written up a lot about influencers, and I think everybody kind of takes what we say and spins it to the story that they're, they're looking that they're for. trying to say. Exactly. And so it's really, I mean, you guys know, like it's just super challenging to get yep. a point across. Um, what I will say about influencers in general is one, 
Ipsy actually was born out of that movement. And so Mm -hmm. it's something that's intrinsic to our nature. And if you think about when we launched, it was right at the pinnacle of when YouTube launched. And so um, Michelle Fawn, who was one of our original Mm -hmm. founders, was such a huge part of this because it was really like real people trying real things in their bedrooms with their laptops. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, all about this like pay for play. So um, we were really able to capitalize on this amazing movement that had happened. And now as you're looking at the influx of new social media channels, the influx of paid influencers, we're really looking at what is the right approach and mix because they are still such an important part of what we do every day. Um, One of the big things that we've been looking at are a couple different territories. So one is how do we work with people that intrinsically believe in our mission that also can emotionally connect with our audience? So we launched this Discover Yourself campaign. It's all about really embodying people's journey of self-discovery and how beauty kind of fits into that. And instead of Ipsy just telling that story, we really wanted to bring on nine ambassadors that were super inclusive, um, that had these rich stories to tell. Um, So a good example of that is One of the women we work with, her name is Misty Diaz. Uh, She was born with spina bifida. She calls it spina beautiful. And Mm, I'm not kidding you. She does like a hundred triathlons. I'm like, like, I'm like, you can run further than I can run. Oh man. She really leans into this idea of adaptability and she's like, you know, yes, I was born with spina bifida, but everybody has something that they have to adapt to. And she takes such a positive approach to life. Um, And she's been a huge fan of Ipsy since day one. And her kind of telling her story of her journey and her self-discovery through the lens of how beauty also plays a role in her life. That's perfect. It's a really powerful statement. That's a wonderful way for us to wrap up. I'm sorry we're out of time, but so inspirational. Um, Jenna Habea, uh, we're so pleased that you were able to be with us today as the Chief Brand Officer for Ipsy. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Jenna. Have a great day. And after only six months, we can't wait to see what happens next. So thanks so much. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 